The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Monday morning, February the 7th, 2022. It is 7.02 on your Tucson Monday, and you're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. This is Tucson's only local morning sports talk show, and so glad to be here with you guys on this uh, on this Monday morning as we are going to be talking about all the wonderful things that happened on campus over the weekend with the women's and men's basketball programs. Lots of other things going on in the world of sports over the weekend. When we left you on on uh, Friday morning, there were a lot of questions about of you know what's going to happen with you know the Arizona USC game. Are they going to be able to bounce back after an emotional win? Over UCLA, how are the women going to contend with Oregon coming to town and all of the uh, controversy that is surrounding the two head coaches in that particular matchup? Um, we were looking ahead to NHL All-Star Weekend, and I didn't get a chance to to mention it a whole lot, but you know, I had talked about it's you know it was a weekend of essentially of two All-Star games, whether it be you know the NFL's Pro Bowl and all the activities that surround the Pro Bowl, and then the NHL All-Star Game with the the you know the skills competition and all that stuff and it kind of you, you, you watch a little bit of it I was able to watch some of the uh, some of the activities from both of the uh, from from both of the the all-star weekends and you know I, I I still believe that I think just personally for me the the NHL all-star weekend is always so interesting to me it's to me, it's fascinating the, the the skill that these guys have because they're doing it on skates on on a you know a slippery surface. It's on ice, and I, I just you know for me personally, I'm not somebody who does well on skates. I mean, I, it's hard enough for me to continue to hold my balance and stay up or you know upright if I'm trying to do some kind of a skills competition on my own two feet firmly on the ground. Let alone if I'm on a thin rail of sharpened metal on a ridiculously slippery surface that I'm completely foreign to. Uh, it's It still just amazes me that, that these guys can do some of the things that they can do on the uh, on the ice. And I saw the, the video, and it wasn't – I don't think it got enough, <laughs> enough play and enough airtime over the weekend. And I can't remember the kid's name. He's, he's a rookie, and he plays, for, he plays for Anaheim. I can't remember his name, though. And – he did like this like this trick shot where he pulled he pulled his beanie over his eyes and essentially skated down the ice did like two like 360 twirls then like stuck the puck to the end of his stick blade and then turned around and shot it past the goalie into the net like it's the it, like one of the single most incredible things i've ever seen in my entire life and i had to go fishing to find it like it's just, I was like, how is this thing not uh, on the Sports Center's number one top play in the history of top plays ever? I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. Granted, it didn't happen in a game; it was in an exhibition. But there was <laughs> basically had to do this trick shot thing. He did it blindfolded and was doing stuff that I don't see guys do without a blindfold on. I, I was like, 
And I'm watching the play, and I'm like, uh, they were showing different cameras angles of it, and it was in slow motion. And and I'm like, did he? Is is it like? Is the puck like glued to his hockey stick? How did he get it to stick like that? Where he's whirling it around, and it's <laughs> defying the laws of gravity. It's all you know. It's, it's physics. And and then and then to find out the kid didn't even win the competition. I'm like, well, what what is the thing that won? And it's one of those things like you don't. Because it's the NHL, it doesn't get a whole lot of coverage, and I had a blast watching some of this stuff that they did over the weekend, and I still contend, and I know that the NBA All-Star Weekend is incredibly popular with the three-point shooting contest and the slam dunk contest and the the no-defense uh, first team to 175 wins, the All-Star Game you, you know, exhibition and stuff, and that's what it's for. Like Those are exhibitions. Those are fun for the fans. There's 72 alley-oops in that basketball game. I mean, it's... Sure, you know, it's not basketball. I, I I still want to watch basketball, so that's that's why the NBA All Star Game is like is a turnoff to me. Like it's not basketball. Basketball is a team sport that requires, you know, requires coordination and precision passing and precision shooting. And that game is just a game that's played above the rim and guys taking thirty five foot jump shots every time, you know, without passing the basketball. It's not basketball to me, so I don't like watching it. The Major League Baseball All-Star festivities, you know, the home run contest was great, and now it's just kind of become, well, first of all, it's become a curse. For guys who perform well and, and, and have to perform deep into the home run derby that we see every year, those guys usually have horrible second halves. I mean, you just, look at the contestants over the last, I, I would say, the last 15 years in the home run derby. Guys who have played like in the finals of the home run derby, only like two of them have been able to have a good solid second half of actually you know hitting the baseball in uh, you know for their team. The other guys all struggled. It, it's a it's a crazy. There's a there was a a whole big article written about it a few years ago, and the person who wrote the article broke down all the statistics. It's shocking how bad guys fall off the table after they've played in the the home run derby or had to go deep in the home run derby essentially. Now, the home run derby is fun, but again, it's kind of it's it's not baseball. Like it's it's a fun little competition and stuff. And the All Star Game is fun. You know that's that's real baseball being played. They made it so that the winning team, you know, that league gets to host uh, home field advantage in the in the World Series. You know, Bud Selig tried to do whatever he could to try to uh, you know avoid the the debacle that occurred where neither team had any other players to play, so they had to end the game with a tie and all that kind of stuff that happened so many years ago. I I I, I still think that it's it's a lot less popular than the other All Star games. Although I would put it second on my list of of favorite All Star games. NFL is obviously worst. Pro Bowl stinks. Nobody cares. Um, <laughs> that's obvious by the television ratings that come out every year for the Pro Bowl. The NASCAR race yesterday beat out the Pro Bowl for viewers, and the NASCAR race was also an exhibition. So um, that tells you everything you know about the Pro Bowl. I, I I think the NHL All Star Game is the best one of the of the majors, the four majors. I, to me, it's it's the it's the best representation of its sport in you know in an exhibition in terms of an exhibition. I think it's the best representation of what actually happens um, in a game. And yes. There are guys that are, you know, you really can't hit and stuff. You can check a little bit here and there, but there's no, 
there's no hitting in the game. You know, there's no uh, neutral zone collisions and things like that. It's, it's mostly open ice for the most part and um, lots of lots of scoring. And the goalies don't end up looking too great because they give up, you know, six or seven goals in the games. But to me, it's the best representation of its sport. And it's also a lot of fun. And it's kind of wide open at the same time. So you get to kind of see the what could be in the NHL if there weren't such a thing as guys trying to take each other's heads off and, and the, the the onus being on defense in the NHL and trying to keep the other team from scoring. So I think that's, to me, that's the best one. And, and I love the skills competitions, you know, the, the accuracy shooting, the uh, the slap shot, the fastest slap shot. That's fun to watch. Uh, and all the other skills, like the goalie skills competition and stuff. And now these, these trick shot competitions, which I, I was mesmerized watching some of this stuff that happened. Uh, on the ice over the weekend, so that was some that was some fun stuff. And and uh, if you get a chance, if you if you're wondering what that what that trick shot looks like, just look for NHL All Star Weekend trick shots or something like that. I think it's you can just Google it and you'll find um, some videos to it. It's it's <laughs> remarkable what this kid did with a hockey puck. I it was like I, I've yeah, it would take I, I, there was no there's no way I would ever be able to learn any kind of skill. I can't even do that. I wouldn't be able to do that. It, it, with a basketball, like hold the basketball that way and spin sideways blindfold, I'd fall on my on my rear end. I, it's <laughs> there's no way, it's let alone doing it on ice with a hockey puck. So that was fun. It was a fun weekend. I mentioned the NASCAR race. Uh, Joey Logano wins the the exhibition, the 37 car race that was played or that was that was run uh, at the at the LA Coliseum. That drew a lot of eyeballs. The the crowd looked actually really good. There was a lot of people in in Los Angeles that were interested in that uh, in that race, and it looked totally different than any other kind of NASCAR race that, that we're accustomed to seeing, um, the tiny little track and the weird, you know, the rectangular uh, double-stacked type of pit stops and stuff like that that were all set up, but interestingly, it was cool. I, I, thought, it was, uh, I thought it was fun, and NASCAR needs more stuff like that. It, it got eyeballs. I know the overnights were actually pretty good, so... Um, that's uh, that's good for the sport of NASCAR. They need to do more things like that, and, uh, and and try to get themselves into more unique venues in front of unique eyeballs to try to see if they can turn other people onto the sport. Because you know, here's the I'm going to be the you know the cantankerous old man to get off my lawn. You know the uh, the the uh, traditionalist of sport here for a moment. You know, for old NASCAR fans like me, people who have been watching for a long time, people who grew up on the sport, grew up love watching the sport, it has become something that we really don't desire to watch much anymore. NASCAR continues to change rules. Sometimes in the middle of a race, they'll just change the rules, and we don't like that. And there's a lot of rule changes that have that, that NASCAR has brought in that have weakened the sport in many ways and made it less competitive. And, it look, you know, nobody wants to see any of that, but it's made it a better watching experience for the newbies. So I get it. I understand what they're doing. You know, the old money, need they need to turn into some new money. I understand that if you want to continue to grow your sport. So I'm kind of, you know, tiptoeing the line of whether I'm going to be supportive of NASCAR or not be supportive of NASCAR. I still love the sport. Um, I covered it for many, many years uh, back in the day, and uh, it's you know it's it's been really good to me. And the people there in the organization are great. Uh, you know the the people. If you've ever worked in sports, the people of NASCAR are the most. Uh, and look, they have to be. They, 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 you can't say no to the media <laughs> if you're a NASCAR. You just can't. Like 
NASCAR will not allow it. Like, you don't, don't say no to the media, which is probably why I got to have two sit-downs with Danica Patrick and wish I had never sat down with her either of those times, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, NASCAR is going to tell their people, look, if the media wants to talk to you, you have to, you have to talk to them and you have to be nice to them. And <laughs> she did not follow those rules, which is okay. You know, that's, uh, that's her prerogative. She wasn't a good driver anyways. Uh, so in the weekend in the uh, in the McHale Center, big weekend in the McHale Center, we'll be talking about that as uh, both men's and women's teams. It's very rare. You know, I, I talked about it last week on Thursday how rare it is to get both teams home for the same weekend. It was very stressful on you know the the entire staff there at the uh, at the McHale Center, the entire athletics department. It, everybody was just running on fumes on Sunday. Uh, you, you could just you know everybody's so busy and there's only so many people to go around and there's been cutbacks because of the pandemic and all those things. And people are working double, triple time. So shout out to all of my people there at the athletic department, people in the McHale center, whether it's uh, salaried employees, interns, uh, people working double duty, triple duty, everyone in the SIDs offices and uh, everybody who, who, you know, behind the scenes made that whole thing work because there wasn't. It wasn't just basketball happening on campus either. Tennis was on campus. Swim and dive was on campus, uh, hosting games. So there was all kinds of stuff going on uh, on campus over the weekend. And uh, shout out to all my peeps that work in game operations, marketing, the athletic departments, the SIDs, everybody making that whole thing work seamlessly. And it was awesome. I can only speak for what happened at the McHale Center, but. I can tell you this, that those four games, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, shattered any kind of weekend attendance record that we've ever seen at the U of A. There were 47,000. The official number was 47,206 attendees at those four games. Now, there was only 7,000 at the women's game yesterday. Look, understandably, the, the fans are probably running on fumes as well after being at the games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, which were, uh, you know, the two men's games were sellouts. The UCLA game uh, was obviously a sellout. The USC game on Saturday was a sellout. The women's game on against Oregon saw nearly 11,000 uh, people, which is the largest, the largest attendance for an Arizona women's basketball game, like a regular season basketball game, the largest attendance for, for that, for a, for a conference game or for a non-conference game for that matter. So huge turnout for Oregon on Friday night, and people were just on fumes. It's a noon game after a Wildcat win on Saturday afternoon. You know, the game ended a little after 5 o'clock. Game started at 3, two-hour you know, play time for, for uh, men's basketball games usually. And uh, it was just you know, it was a little too much to ask for people to get up and go to the game on Sunday afternoon, you know, Sunday at noon for the Oregon State game. But still, 7,000, which means that there were 40,000 people for the previous three games. Now, my Mesa Public Schools education will not ever get me into any kind of a prestigious college or anything like that, especially with my math skills, but 40,000 over three games, that's about 13,333 repeating, la, 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 la. That's a spectacular number. And I want to give a shout-out to the fans for showing up, showing out, being loud, being supportive of their of their basketball team, and uh, teams, I should say, and just absolutely incredible response from the fans over the weekend. Mikhail, both Thursday and Saturday were great. Um, Saturday, fans were sitting on their hands a little bit. I think they were a little a little tense about what was happening there because 
USC was really controlling the game. Arizona, they had the lead, but it was always like, USC's really close, and we're giving up some easy buckets to them. And, you know, defensively, USC's kind of locking us down. We're not getting the looks that we like to normally see, and Arizona's not up and down. We're not shooting three-pointers. Only only attempted ten three-pointers the entire game, which we'll get into here in, in a moment when I start talking about each individual game. But I wanted to give a shout-out to the fans first because, uh, look, that was just incredible support. There's a reason why. Arizona men's and women's basketball teams are both so highly rated, and it's not only because the two head coaches are tireless workers, both on the court and off the court. It's not because the student-athletes on those teams are at the elite level of competition in their respective sport, whether it be uh, you know Pac-12 women's basketball, Pac-12 men's basketball, national on, on both ends as well. Both teams have some great national wins to their credit this season as well. Uh, it's not only because of those because of those factors. McHale Center is a huge factor for for both of those teams. You know the men's team is on a 15 game win streak, and the women's team is on a uh, a win streak as well for the for, for home. So credit to the fans showing up at the McHale Center. They couldn't do it without you. And I know I couldn't do my job without you. I hated every minute. I shouldn't say I hated it, but last year during the pandemic, doing football and basketball, it was it was rough, man. Like I, it was it was not an enjoyable experience for me. Like I, you know, as as a, as a PA announcer, you want people. You you want you want the public there because without the public, there is no public address. It's just speaking to the players and the coaches and they don't listen to you so uh and it wasn't about who's listening it's you know i feed off the fans as much as the fans feed off of me i i I require their energy more than they require mine and it's it is so so important to have that that feeling the back and forth you know you give and i get and i give and you get and it's uh it's so important to me and I, i tell you what thursday and saturday were great great experiences uh, just speaking for myself for me in uh, in there with the fans and they were reactive to everything that was going on they were attentive we had some great promotions in those games um we you know on thursday we honored the um uh, the two army veterans who were purple received purple hearts and there we announced they were getting married and people were going nuts for those two people and on saturday we recognized all of the military former past present uh, and their families at the game, we asked them to stand, and there were there were so many, so many military in attendance on Saturday, and uh, I know that we, you know, we do the old, you know, thank you for your service to our country and stuff. But we, I mean, honestly, we we mean it. There, there's a reason why we dedicate so much time and effort into acknowledging those that are that are in our military, not just current, but former and uh, and family members of potentially past. Um, uh, military members and, and you know and veterans of our of our armed forces uh it's it's not it's not just a show it it's it's true it you know we we believe in that we you know we have a, a long history and a long heritage in that uh, in that arena and uh, we want to continue to carry that through the NFL season all comes down to this it's Super Bowl 56 and to celebrate FanDuel Sportsbook is going to hook up all customers with a risk-free same game parlay that's right a risk-free SGP I love that rhyme. Uh, new and existing customers, both. You can place any SGP of three legs or more on the Super Bowl, and if you don't win, FanDuel is going to refund you your money. That's right. 
Same-game parlays uh, allow you to combine multiple bets. You can just look for the little SGP logo on stuff. Click the and, and trust me for the. I was looking this morning. Whoa, I've never seen so many SGPs and prop bets in my entire life. As you'll find on the uh, on the Super Bowl, spend some time. Look look through them all. There's tons and tons and tons of them. Um, you know, personally, I, I, I'm still more about player props than I'm about game props. Like I don't. I don't care who wins the coin toss. I don't really feel like betting on which team is going to score back-to-back field goals. Uh, but with the Bengals battling the Rams, there's plenty of interesting individual matchups to watch for in the game. For instance, I like the Joe Burrow over-passing yards prop. I like Joe Mixon under-rushing yards. I think they're going to try to mix some things up in the running game. I like Cooper Cup over-receiving yards. I like OBJ for an anytime touchdown. And then, of course, Pick a money line winner. You got to. It's Super Bowl, right? You got to pick a winner one way or the other. Put those together. You get yourself a pretty nice, solid SGP. And when you do, even if you don't win, they'll refund you your money. Now, there are plenty of reasons why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. It's a friendly user, uh, a user-friendly app that offers best in-class customer service ratings. They have consistent access to fun and lucrative promos and specials. And, of course, the lightning-fast payouts that you get in as few as two hours. It's a legitimate official sports betting partner of the NFL, and especially for Super Bowl 56. Like I said, if you already have an account, just place your risk-free SGP before the Super Bowl to qualify. New customers, you get an additional bonus. When you sign up with my promo code, Dean, my last name, D-E-A-N, you will also be able to enjoy... 56 to 1 odds on either team to win. So here's how you do that. Okay, you opt into that. You you sign into the to the app. Use my promo code when you sign up. That'll get you the special promo for the 56 to 1 odds. You opt in. You bet 5 bucks on one team. If they win, you get 280 bucks cash. Not site credit, cash in your in your deposit box, in your account. Boom. It's just that simple. But you got to use my promo code Dean exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 and over and present in Arizona. Refund is issued as non-withdrawable site credit. Expires in seven days. Max refund $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you think you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342. Coming up, uh, we still have, I have, speaking of women's basketball, I have women's basketball tickets to give away for Sunday's game against that school from up north. Be listening for your cue to call for that. We're going to be giving those away all week long. And coming up next, we will break down the three games that occurred over the weekend at the McHale Center. Three big wins for our two programs. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Hey, let's do an early bird special here, shall we? Let's give away some tickets right now. I got a pair of tickets to go see the University of Arizona women's basketball team take on, and I quote from my uh, my promo notes here, A.S. Boo Scum Devils on s- Sunday, February 13th. That game tips off at noon. I will take caller number three right now at 520-719-1490, 719 Get yourself a pair of tickets to go see one of the hottest commodities in college athletics right now. That's women's basketball taking on, and this is according to my uh, my promo notes here, taking on the A.S. Boo Scum Devils. Take caller number three at 520-719-1490. Good luck. Those will be uh, digital tickets, by the way. We'll just email them to you. Boom. 
and uh, you got your access to them right there, and it's just that simple. Good luck, and thank you for listening, and enjoy the game. All right, so let's talk about that. Friday night, it was Arizona women's basketball putting the clamps on the Oregon Ducks. They used a balanced scoring attack in the game, um, led by Kate Reese, who had had, uh, 13 points. But in a game that saw seven different Wildcats in the uh, the scoring column, Sam Thomas poured in five points. Shana Pellington had seven. Lauren Ware had nine points. Had a nice game uh, from Lauren Ware, nine points in 24 minutes. Um, Helena Pueyo had eight points. And uh, Madison Connor hit a couple of threes coming off the bench. The young freshman, the sharpshooting freshman coming off the bench to score six points in just seven minutes. Coy Love had uh, eight points and nine rebounds coming off the bench in 22 minutes. And, uh, look, it was just it was a great team effort uh, for the Wildcats that night. Um, and also uh, seven different Wildcats recorded an assist in that game, which is remarkable. <laughs> That's I mean, everybody was just sharing the ball. It was, it was total team effort. You could tell that that team was focused and ready to put away that Oregon team. They made it personal, um, and they played with great focus and poise throughout the entire 40 minutes of that game. And they opened up a 20-point lead on Oregon. That game was was over uh, early in the fourth quarter. The fans were just killing it, man. Like, the the fans were rocking the place. And uh, Arizona ends up winning that game 63-48. Adia Barnes was asked after the game about her rivalry with, with you know, her adversary head coach, uh, Kelly Graves, the head coach at Oregon. And I thought, I thought she played it off. Perfectly, and and to be honest with you, look, you know, I got a phone call on Friday shortly after the show ended that Kagan Nine wanted to get some audio from the show based on the things that I had said, from things that I had heard from people that are in the know in the program, and know exactly what was said when Arizona was was in Eugene, and look, you know, my show is it's a, it's like it's a morning show, it's a radio show, radio show. It's it's a part. It's partly for entertainment. I'm not just a straight news outlet. This is not NPR. This is not just a you know a straight news show. This is for entertainment as well. And to be honest with you, I, I don't I don't consider that to be newsworthy. I guess I don't know. I, I mean, uh, I, I mean, I'm thankful that they wanted to pick it up and, and talk about it. But and I feel the same way that that Adia did. And I, I felt like that, that Coach Barnes addressed the media when they asked her about it. You know they. They went, congrats to the media, first of all, by the way, because I fully expected it to be the first question, like, how was the handshake between you and Kelly Gray? I mean, I expected it to be the first question. The media talked to her about the actual game first, and then about five questions in, somebody was like, all right, let's bring it up. Here we go. Let's talk about this. And I thought Coach Barnes addressed it uh, perfectly. She said, look, you know, both Kelly Graves and I – our former D1 athletes, and, you know, because Kelly Graves, I think he played at, like, New Mexico State. I think he's a basketball player at New Mexico State or New Mexico, I think. Uh, and we both, you know, compete at a different level. Our, you know, our our minds compete at a different level than some other people who, who weren't, you know, a D1, uh, a D1 competitor, a D1, you know, letter winner. So, she, you know, she said when, you know, I don't really – take much you know solace into that i've heard a lot worse i've i've been called a lot worse than what he called me you know when we were when we were in eugene and it's it's something i forgot about almost immediately and it's water under the bridge and i I felt like i felt like she addressed it perfectly to me that's exactly what it was um the only reason i made note of it is because people had been asking me what had happened i i'd been asked so many 
times, not only in person, but in text messages and stuff like, hey, do you know what happened between uh, you know, Coach Barnes and, and the coach from Oregon? I'm like, yeah, I do know. I, <laughs> so I just figured, I was like, oh, let's just make it public. We'll put it on the show. It's, we're talking about the game today. I'll tell everybody what happened in the game, you know, how, how we got to this point, why there is, uh, you know, the, all the news stories about the, the middle finger and all this other stuff. I, look, it's two people who burn hot. And, you know, this is something that we've talked about, you know, and, and there are ways to go about it and there are ways to not go about it. Mac Etienne, the, uh, the UCLA player, went about it the completely wrong way. But two coaches who are barking at each other uh, is nothing new. You know, I talked about Tommy Lloyd and Mick Cronin barking at each other in the middle of the game on Thursday and the reason that all went down. And, you know, Tommy – didn't even address it because the media didn't even notice it happened. So, again, this stuff all happens. I, I find it interesting because, you know, for one, I find the whole Tommy and Mick thing to be interesting because we all know that Mick Cronin is that guy. He wants to engage people. And Mick is a bully. Um, it, it goes back all, all the way to his time when he was at Cincinnati, um, when he took over the head coach there for, you know, when, when Huggins left and, Mick Cronin took over, and, I mean, hell, if you were watching basketball back then, you know, between the Sean Miller and Mick Cronin Cincinnati and Xavier games, there were brawls in those games. Like, that was the most heated rivalry in college basketball. Forget about the Tobacco Road rivalry. Forget about, you know, any of the other ones that have happened out there, rivalries from the Big East, anything out west. It was that Cincinnati Xavier rivalry was intense, man. Like those, there was blood on the court every time those two teams played, and it's because of the you know this is you know, these are the kinds of things that happen. Mick is somebody. Mick Cronin is like he likes to engage other coaches. He likes to engage players. He likes to engage opposing coaches. He tries to get in people's heads. He's a bully. That's what he does. And he got under Tommy's skin because he went after one of his players. And Tommy defended his players, put Mick in his place, and left it at that. And Tommy, look, they played against each other in the in the Final Four last year. Tommy is well aware of what Mick Cronin's deal is. This is was this was nothing new to him. This was this was not you know Tommy Lloyd is, didn't just get off a bus from Australia and show up here and start coaching this team in uh, you know in October. <laughs> Tommy's been around a while. He's been on the West Coast. He knows he knows their shtick. So uh, this was nothing new, and, and I'm not I'm not surprised that it happened. And neither is Tommy. Uh, the coaches get after one another. It happens. Um, you probably see it at the youth level too. I mean, unfortunately, the these kids, you know, eight and nine years old, sometimes see two coaches fighting one another in fisticuffs on a flag football field, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but it happens. Coaches burn hot, man. You 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 want to win, and sometimes that desire to win is greater than some of your players out there, which can be a problem sometimes. Uh, but regardless, Arizona gets the big win over Oregon, sixty-three to forty-eight on Friday night in front of a raucous, whited-out crowd there at the McHale Center. Awesome uh, fan uh, interaction there and fan response in that game. We're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll talk about Saturday's game. Look, it was a big win for Arizona on several for several reasons why that was such a big game for Arizona, their win over USC. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. 
Congratulations to Larry Castillo. Larry Castillo was the winner of our women's basketball tickets today. Stay tuned. I'll be giving tickets away all week long to the women's basketball game that's coming up on Sunday versus the Again, this is this is according to my copy. So this is, you know, these are the the scripts that I have to read here. It's the AS Boo Scum Devils on Sunday at noon. Come home and protect home court. Just real quickly, the women's basketball team has one of those weird that you never see like home and home back-to-back type of situations going on. They they play home to ASU on Sunday and then play at ASU two days later. It's it's strange. Or is it the other way around? Is it at ASU Friday, home ASU Sunday? I don't, I don't have the schedule right in front of me. But th- th- anyway, they play ASU twice in two days, <laughs> which, it, it, you know, again, strange times, strange measures, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Saturday afternoon, it was a it, look, it was a big game for Arizona on several levels. It was a tightly contested defensive slugfest between Tommy Lloyd's Wildcats and Andy Enfield's Trojans. Arizona ends up winning that game by a final score of 72-63. to The game was 29-28 at the half. It was 29-29 for a moment, and then the officials had come over because they wanted to see what the final shot that USC had, had, uh, had taken in that game. It was 29-26, USC had the ball, and they made the final shot of the, uh, of the first half. And the officials had originally ruled it a three. Now the officials then came over, decided to look at the uh, at the at the uh, at the tape, and reviewed it and determined that his toes were on the line, like barely on the line, is what they said. And uh, they made it a, a two point game, a two point shot, which made it a one point lead for Arizona officially at the half, which may have been a bigger a bigger thing, you know, at, you know, by the end of the game than it was at that moment. It was a really tremendous effort by several of the Wildcats, but I, I want to shout out, it, it was the big guys, man. It was the big guys in this game, all three of them. The three bigs, uh, Azulis Tabellis, Christian Coloco, and Umar Balo. It was, it was the big man show for the, uh, for the Arizona Wildcats. Azulis Tabellis led all scorers, led all rebounders in the game. 18 points, 11 rebounds, played only 26 minutes in the game. Grabbed seven offensive rebounds. He was a consistent force underneath the basket for Arizona. Now, as good as Azulis Tabellas was, it was, you know, e- you know, equally he was responded to by Isaiah Mobley, their all-conference uh, big man as well, as he scored 15 points in the game for USC. But it was really what happened down the stretch for Arizona that changed the outcome of this game. USC had opened up a six-point lead. They were burning. They were they were feeling very confident in themselves. And for Arizona to come back and win that game, it was going to require a few stops, and you know maybe get a little more creative on offense uh, in finding ways to uh, to get the ball down low or hit some big shots from the outside. They were able to do all three of those, and that's why the game resulted in the 72-63 final that it did. It was an incredible defensive effort late in that game for the Wildcats that allowed them to punch their ticket to victory. Here's these this is, these are some of the statistical breakdowns of the things that happened late in that game on Saturday afternoon. USC scored one field goal, one in the final seven minutes of that game, because if you look at at the uh, at the at the scoring chart 
essentially, uh, and the play-by-play chart. They scored at 7.02. Chavez Goodwin made a jump shot, scored the uh, scored the, the bucket there. It made it 59-54. USC had taken a five-point lead. From that point on, USC only made one field goal and scored four points total. Scored a couple at the uh, at the free throw line, including an Isaiah Mobley free throw that gave USC their biggest lead of the game just about 30 seconds later when they went up 60-54. to 54. At that point, Arizona just put the clamps on. They said, you're not getting out of here more than, with more than 65 points on that scoreboard. And that's what they had to do in order to win that basketball game. And when Arizona needed it, they got their defensive effort. USC finished that game 1 of 15 from the field. 1 of 15 in the final 7 minutes of that ball game. And Arizona outscored them 18 to 4 in the final 7 minutes. Arizona had as many blocked shots as USC had total points in the final 7 minutes of that game. 4 and 4. <laughs> and it was Umar Balo, Christian Coloco not only inside protecting the rim, but outside as well. Uh, there were there were several moments in that game where it required Balo to run out on a perimeter shooter or CeeLo to run out on a perimeter shooter and challenge them. Now, on several occasions, it, it took them away. It diverted the shooter away from even attempting the jump shot. But in two separate occasions, when they did attempt the jump shot, it got swatted. And Balo's happened in the first half. CeeLo's happened in the second half. You know, I tweeted this out, uh, you know, later. You don't see that. Like, you see that at the next level amongst the most elite athletes at that position. You know, guys like Anthony Davis, guys like Joel Embiid, guys like Carl Anthony Towns, the elite athletes who are asked to go out and defend perimeter shooters that are able to do that, that have the confidence of their coach and their teammates to be able to go out and cover those perimeter shooters that way because to leave the basket unattended essentially by your big man is inviting trouble unless you have two of them <laughs> which is what Tommy Lloyd currently has which is a really nice you know, obviously a really nice tool to have in your uh, in your tool belt and down the stretch I think this is the defensive lineup that we're going to see for Arizona when they're trying to preserve a lead if it's a game where the offense maybe not be clicking where it's not a situation where Tommy Lloyd believes that we're just going to simply outscore the other team, where it has to be we have to get stops in order to be able to extend our lead or gain the lead on this particular team. So I think in big games, in big moments, that's the defensive lineup you're going to see. You're going to see the Twin Towers out there. You're going to see Balo and CeeLo out there defending not only the rim, but defending the perimeter. Anything along that baseline, that's on you. And that is a huge responsibility, and they have answered the call. Uh, I, can't, I can't say enough about the defensive effort. And, look, I'm going to throw Azulis Tabellis in there for his defensive effort. I thought defensively he was really, really good. There were several times in that game where, you know, just sitting – look, <laughs> it's, it's difficult for me, even though I work as – I'm officially a member of the officiating crew. As, as PA announcer, that's kind of you're, – you're lumped into there. You're officially a member of the officiating crew. But there are plenty of times where I'm sitting there as a fan and I get kind of wrapped up in big games where I'm cheering. And not, not outwardly like putting my hands up in the air and stuff like that, but I'll say things like, great defense, Zoo. or something. I found myself several times say out loud, 
that was great defense by Tabellis or great job, Zoo, on that particular play. I thought in the 26 minutes that he played that his defense was, uh, was above par and he played extremely well in the, the, the difficult position that he was put in. USC's a tough team to match up against because they're so big and they're so long and they're athletic. They are a really difficult team. If they ran a different scheme where they were wide open on offense, first of all, I don't think they would be as successful, personally. Um, so it's, it's you know, Andy Enfield you know, does have the, the right personnel for the, the type of scheme that he likes to run. Uh, but they would be ridiculously difficult to defend if they tried to go wide open. They would give up a million points, but uh, they would be extremely difficult to defend. Arizona did a phenomenal job, and uh, I can't say enough about the job that the, the three bigs did. And again, Dale and Terry, you know, had another great game, you know, filling out the stat sheet in, in certain ways. Kerr was extremely efficient in his shooting, three of five from beyond the arc, huge buckets. I mean, huge three-point buckets in that game. Ben Matherin was extremely effective at attacking the rim. Look, it was it was a it was a great team effort, and I thought Pella played well. Justin Kyer played well off the bench. It was a full team effort, and it was so important for Arizona to get that win because if you had gotten the you know the big win over UCLA and that big emotional win, then you have the emotional letdown and lose to USC. All that goodwill is gone. Not to mention you have a home loss to a team that you shouldn't have lost to. It, it was it was big on so many levels. Plus, it gives Arizona another quad one victory over a team from the top thirty in the net rankings, and it looks really good on your resume. And it just further cements Arizona into a potential one seed in the tournament, which I don't think any of us would have predicted in the preseason. We'll continue to talk some more Arizona basketball after this timeout. You're listening here on ESPN Tucson. It's the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Hockey season is returning from the midway point of the season, and there's no better place to bet on the NHL than on the FanDuel Sportsbook. NHL parlays are the perfect way to make every shot feel like a hat trick, and you can turn a small bet into a big day payday, including right now. I mean, there's only two games on the docket for the NHL today. I just checked it, and I just bet it, actually, on FanDuel Sportsbook. They have a promo boost uh, right now going on. It's a, it's a, it's a, short, it's on a time delay, short, short time uh, constraint. But you can jump on it right now. They've got a boost on a parlay for the money line for tonight's two games. Jump on it now and get paid out even better when those two teams win. All season long, FanDuel is giving every customer NHL parlay insurance. What in the world is parlay insurance, you ask? Well, you'll get up to $25 back each day if your parlay falls one leg short. So if you bet a three-leg parlay, let's say it's a a three-leg money line, okay, and two of the teams win and one of the teams doesn't. You bet 25 bucks on the parlay, you get your 25 bucks back. It's parlay insurance. <laughs> it's awesome. I can't even believe that they're doing this. Uh, it's a chance to put a, a small bet down and win big because, as you know, the odds are much higher, which result in greater payouts. You can bet on your favorite teams. You can root against uh, teams that you don't think are very good. You can root for big upsets. And if you don't have a FanDuel account, Sign up today using my promo code DEAN to make sure you get in on that 56-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl as well. You can pay, turn a $5 bet into $280 cash OLA, cash money. FanDuel always hooking you up with the best odds and exclusive offers exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. But use my promo code DEAN so that they know that I sent you. 
21 and over in President Arizona. Refund issued as is non-withdrawable site credit. It expires in seven days. Max refund is $25. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you think you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342. Taking a look at Arizona's net and Ken Palm rankings. Right now in the in the Ken Palm, they are ranked number two, which is where, you know, where they have been uh, for quite some time. And in the net uh, overnight, oops, I was checking out something else here. Let's get rid of that. The net, I still believe they're three. They're number three. Yes, they're number three in the net right now behind Gonzaga, who's number one, and Houston, who's number two. Houston got another win last night. But Arizona has more quad one victories than Houston does. Arizona with now four quad one victories and uh, Houston with only two. And the reason for the four quad one victories is because if you scroll down net rankings, you look here at number 30, and there you see... The Cowboys of Wyoming inching up into the top 30 as they have uh, they have got themselves quite the record. They're 18-3 on the season, number 30 in the net. So that helps with uh, with Arizona's net ranking as well. That gives them a, an even stronger strength of schedule, which is right now number 58 in the country. Not bad. Not bad at all. The Wildcats 19-2. Their resume is pretty close to what Gonzaga's resume is right now, uh, which is incredible to think about. All right, still got hour number two coming up. We'll talk some NFL. We've got some NBA. We'll continue to talk some more college basketball, as it is all the hotness right now in the world of sports and a whole lot more. Stay tuned. It's just a quick two-minute turnaround right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Casino Del Sol Studio, the soul of Tucson. This is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tanka Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.